our spirits, in our beings, and allow us to sense his presence in a brand new dynamic way that we've never experienced before. Praise God. I pray that you would choose to receive it today. In fact, I'd like to do this before I even get into the message. If you're here today with every eye closed, let's do it that way. Every eye closed so you're not looking around. Nobody knows who's raising their hand and who's doing what. But if you're here today and you have a desire just to embrace his heart, would you raise your hands in the presence of God? Jesus, Lord, you see the actions of every hand and every heart that's in this house. Lord, we stand before you wanting you. Lord, we don't want the miracles. We don't want the signs. We don't want the wonders. Those are all nice, but we want you today. Jesus, we want to hear your voice. We want to feel your heart. We want to know your direction. We want to feel your love. Hallelujah, Jesus. I give you my all today. I surrender my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength to you today. Lord, my agenda is yours. My calendar is yours. My checkbook is yours. Lord, everything that's about me today, I give it over to you once again because, God, I just want to know you. In the power of your resurrection and in the fellowship of your sufferings, Praise God. Praise God. Amen. What a day it's already been in the house of the Lord. Praise God. That's good. You can clap to Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. There's no place I'd rather be than in the house of the Lord. David said it this way, one thing have I desired. It's my main desire is to be in the house of the Lord. Praise God. You can be seated. You have no trust. Thank you, because it probably would have gone right over on you. Praise God. What a sweet presence and anointing, and we don't need to leave it. Praise God. God's doing something in the house today. I'm thankful for Spirit of Grace Church. I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to gather and to be together in the house of the Lord and at other events and things where we can sense his presence together. I'm thankful because the number one thing in Scripture that the Bible says that Jesus loves is the church. The Bible says it this way in Ephesians, that he loves the church so much that he gave himself for it so that he might present it unto himself, a church without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. He is in love with the church. And if he's in love with the church, we better be in love with the church. It doesn't mean the church is perfect because we're all a bunch of human crazies. Doesn't mean that we've got all of our ducks in a row and every T crossed and every I dotted and, and, and perfect cursive writing or printing, however, the nowadays, it, I don't know that they even do cursive anymore. But we don't have it all looking nice and beautiful. But in the eyes of God, we are the center of his love. He loves his church. Now, I believe he loves the entire world. We read that all through Scripture. But he really loves his church because his church are the ones that have received what he wants us to receive and the gifts that he has. Amen. If you'll turn with me to 1 John, it's a tiny book at the end of the Bible, 1 John chapter 4. And I just realized as I walked up here, I pulled a Frank Sanders today. And my wife will probably tell me about it in the car afterwards but I didn't change my shoes. So my shoes don't match my outfit. These are my ice shoes. These are the ones I don't slip on. My nice shoes are in my office. Forgot to change them. My wife would have. <laughs> so if I take care of it publicly, I may not have to deal with it privately later. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Praise God. Kind of. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth 
is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And then going down to verse number 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. I told my wife after Sunday school she's not preaching anymore because she didn't left me didn't leave me much to preach today. So if you missed Sunday school, you missed a great message. I encourage you to be here at 9:30 to hear our teachers who study and put in the time to find out what God is speaking and it's amazing how many times that they have taken up my message and I get to come in and confirm it. I want to just speak on this foundational blessing to Spirit of Grace Church, love. Last week we talked about the Word of God and why we remember actually going back to New Year's Eve. I I preached a message here that lets you know that we are going into a season where we are reexamining and fixing and repairing or in some cases building our foundation, which the Bible tells us that the church must be built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So if there's anything that's not about Jesus, your building's off because he's the chief cornerstone. And there's, there's a foundation that we build, and all of the niceties of a building change. We've, we can repaint this building. We can put different siding on. We can put diff- different decoration on. But the one thing that keeps the building standing is the foundation. And so last week we declared to you uh, that the word of God is true, and we can trust his word. And we gave you all kinds of reasons why in this church that the word of God is the foundation of the church. And and so now we go on to another ingredient to the foundation, and we've got probably eight, nine, or ten of them over the next few weeks. And I'll just tell you, at the end of the eight or nine weeks, or ten weeks, or eleven weeks, or depending on how many weeks it takes me to preach it, we've got a special event we're going to do, and I'm looking forward to that day. But today... This church, and I'm not talking about any other church, all the churches out there, but this particular church, Spirit of Grace Church, one of its foundational characteristics is love. And the day that this church stops being a loving church is the day that all of us need to remove ourselves from the church Because the Bible is very clear that if you are not someone that knows love, knows how to love, then you don't know God. And I don't want to be about a church that doesn't know God. I want to know him. I want to echo the words of Paul in Philippians that says that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know Jesus. And so it's very clear in this passage and uh, there used to be an old kid song, First uh, John 4, 7 and 8, and we would sing the words, but God is love. And then he reiterates it in verse number 16. God is love. And if you dwell in his love, you dwell in him. And he dwells in you. We heard a good lesson about dwelling today. Here's the thing that we sometimes misunderstand, however, and we've said it before a hundred times. Our English is terrible when it comes to Greek and Hebrew. There are four Greek words for the one English word, love. And uh, when you don't understand the difference between the four, you can get tied up and mixed up and confused and misunderstand what the love that is God really is. And the reason is, is because three of the four words in the Greek for love are words that are based off of, for the most part, off of emotion. And then there's one word that's not. And so I want to share these with you just a little bit. And because the one that the Lord is, that is our foundation, doesn't originate in our emotions. And... uh, 
I'm thankful for the others, but uh, it's the one that we're going to end up with here today that we want to focus on. There's four terms for it, and, and, and all four of them are from God. Everybody say love is from God because God is love. It's a gift to us. He loves us so much that he gave these different aspects of love so that you and I could enjoy life, okay? So the first one, and we'll get it over real quick, is eros. Eros love is a kind of love that is meant and, and set aside as a gift to a husband and a wife. It is a physical, sensual love that is given to us by God for the spouse that he has chosen for us. So the minute that I express Eros love to anybody besides her, I'm taking that love and I'm perverting that love. But the love that God has given me for her and her for me it is a love that is a gift of God, and that's where you get Eros love. That's not what we're talking about in 1 John 4, and that's not the foundation of this church. The second word for love is philia love. Filial love is where you get Philadelphia, which is the city of brotherly love. It's a friendship love. It's, it's a, I enjoy spending time with my friends. I enjoy coming to church and seeing you because you are somebody that I can be friendly with. I enjoy sitting around and having food with you. I enjoy having fellowships with you. I enjoy coming and singing together, even though I've stood next to some of you who can't sing. That gift of love, that filial love, is in this house. It's in this, it's in this, uh, this, this assembly of believers who are desiring to serve God. I hope that you get to a point where you can meet a couple of people and enjoy getting together. We had a great time yesterday. Ladies had a great time Friday night. We, we get together and we have that friendly love. Can I tell you what filial love does? What that filial love does is it allows us to grow together with minimal animosity. Notice I used the word minimal. How many have ever had a friend that you just got a little ticked off at? Got angry with to the point where you had to have a break even and just say, okay, I'll, uh, give me a day, then we'll come back together. Anybody? Anybody honest enough? Yeah, there you go. There's a few hands. Okay. And, and but the, the underlying message of filial love is I may get upset with you, I may get angry with you, but just give me time, we'll come back together. Okay? How many have ever had a friend that you look at them and you say, Why would they do such a stupid thing? Okay? That's filial love. That's just that, that's friends. Okay. The third one that you probably don't hear about very much is the Greek word storge, not tarje, storge. It is family love. It is the love that a father and a mother and a son or a daughter have to one another. It's, a, it's cousins. It's, it's immediate family. There is a level of love that happens between a family because we don't just have the exterior things uh, that are familiar to us. We have familiar things, fa family things that are familiar to us. Okay? Does it mean one is greater than the other? No, it just means one is different than the other. The love that I have for Dave and Cindy Wisebro back here is a little bit lit different than the love that I have for uh, Carl over here because I've got a lifelong history because he's my cousin. And then we let her come into the family many, many moons ago. And so there's a different relation. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a different connection based on storge love within family members than there is with filial love with brothers and sisters in the Lord. Does that make sense? Those three aspects of love are almost always based on emotion. Emotion. Let me just be real plain. What kind of mood are you in? Dictates eros love. Dictates filial love. 
and dictate storge love. How do I know? Have you ever tried to love your kid when he didn't take out the trash after the 15th time he's asked you to take out the trash? And you get frustrated? And now your love is an emotional based. Do you, do you get it? And it's flip side. And, and so it's emotional based love. There is a fourth love that I want to talk about, and that's 1 John 4 kind of love. It's agape. I know most, how many have ever heard of agape? Yeah, agape is a love that is overpowering all the other loves that are there. It's a love that is self-sacrificing. It is a love that is of a choice. It is the love that is God. When we read in 1 John 4 where it says God is love, that word is theos, is agape. God is agape love. And God is asking us to check the foundation of our church and make sure that we are operating, believing, and living in agape love. Because we're going to have bad days where we get up and we look to the person next to us if we're married and we say, yeah, I'm not going to like you too much today. Because I'm grouchy, I'm not feeling well, you hogged the bed, and so I didn't sleep well. It doesn't mean that I have any less love because if my relationship is based on agape love, it's not that emotionally driven love. The other loves are emotionally driven. Agape love is driven by God because it's the very essence of who he is. And if a church is going to be a church of God, the church has got to be built on the foundation of who God is, and who God is is agape. And I believe that what when we say that somebody comes in here and they feel the love, they feel the family nature of it, what they're really feeling is agape. It's the reason why when we gather together in the church, it can't be about getting this miracle, that miracle. It can't be about getting this blessing or that blessing. It's got to be, Lord, I just need you. I have come for you today. I have come to touch in and tap in to agape love, into that love that is only expressed by who you are. You see, there's some things. Did you know that the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2, when it says they left their first love, do you understand why that was such a condemning statement? That word love in Revelation is agape. They didn't just leave their first emotion, their first desire. They left their first God. You see, when agape isn't the foundation of your house or your home, I challenge all of our uh, married couples, uh, when premarital couples, that when we talk about it, we talk about agape love because if your relationship is built on agape, which is self-sacrificing, which is not emotional based, it's a decision that we make that says, I love you no matter what, your marriage is going to last. Because the other three loves flourish in the soil of agape. It's something that happens. You want to know what we, we, we classify or we channel things within a church. I want you to turn over uh, to uh, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We like quoting this, this verse, but we haven't figured out what it really means. You see, agape is not an emotion. It is a mindset. It is a characteristic. When you cannot separate agape from who God is because the word declares that he is agape. So it's an inherent love. It's in there no matter what. So look at this scripture. Verse number 8. But you shall receive power. Everybody say power. 
after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. I want you to look at that again. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Here's the interesting thing. The word for power in that scripture is dunamis or dynamis. It's where we get the word dynamite from. But if you look a little bit deeper into what that word power means, it means that it's inherent power. It's power that is existing, that has not been existing before. And so when you receive the Holy Ghost and it comes upon you, what God is planting in you isn't just his spirit, but it's his inherent characteristic and his inherent power to love you receive dunamis, the inherent character of the one that plants it. Let me prove it a little bit more. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We had, when we were in Dover, we would have testimony services. And 99% of the time that my father-in-law stood to testify, he quoted this scripture. And I don't know if he understood everything he was quoting or if it just jazzed him up. But he would say this. He would quote verse number 5. And and I'll read it the way he quoted it instead of the way it's written. He said, I'm thankful for the hope that maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. When you receive the Holy Ghost, his love, agape, not filial, not eros, not storage, agape love is given, shed abroad in your hearts by his spirit. Look at, or turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 6. Paul blasts the Galatians. You know, I tend to think that I'm kind of a nice preacher. That I don't get in your face too often. I let God kind of do that. Paul wasn't that way. Paul just blasted you out of the water when it was time. Look what he says in Galatians 5, 6. There is a debate that must be going on in the church, and he says it this way. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. Here's what he's saying. It doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. Quit arguing about who you are because it doesn't mean who you are. That is meaningless. That's an argument without an understanding. You can argue all day long about who you are, where you've been, what you've done, but your circumcision or uncircumcision, who you are doesn't matter in the scheme of things. What matters in the scheme of things, because Galatia, you have been arguing about this. You have gone over it. In fact, the verse before this, or two verses before, Christ has become of no effect unto you. You have learned how to do church without Christ. They knew exactly in the church of Galatia. They knew when to stand. They knew when to clap their hands. They knew when to shout with their voice. They even knew maybe to when to dance and to shout and to walk the aisles and to pray with one another. But the Paul is saying, you may be doing church, but you've missed out on the purpose of the church. You may be doing the things of the kingdom, but you've missed the king of the kingdom. Christ has become of no effect unto you. God forbid that ever has to be said in this house. But notice what he responds with. But faith which worketh by agape. Now here's the thing. We don't understand what faith is. Faith doesn't work because you make it work. We say, well, have faith. If you just have faith, a grain of a mustard seed, we even go that, we quote scripture about it. 
If you just have enough, oh, you got a little bit of faith. And we think we got to figure out what that faith is. And so we try to identify what faith is. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Sounds real nice, King James-ish. Faith is the thing that we handle, that we're hoping for, and we, we handle it in the spirit, and it's the evidence of things that we haven't seen yet, and so our faith wraps around it. We like to quote Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, where it says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And we think, well, if I can just activate my faith, then that will activate grace. But let's read this scripture again. It doesn't matter who you are. That's Tim Sanders' version. Now let's give you the King James version at the end of verse 6. But faith which worketh by love. Your faith is activated by his agape. You see that? Faith by worketh by agape. And if God is agape, it means that your faith worketh by God. In other words, we make ourselves accessible to him and he begins to stir up something in us to activate because of his love for us a faith or a desire or a purpose for us to reach what God is trying to give us. Let me give you a crude analogy. It's so fun to watch little kids at Christmas open their gifts. And uh, adults are kind of crazy because we'll try to get the nicest gift and then their favorite gift is the empty box. Hey, we do that with God. He gives us the greatest gift and we just like the box. We, we just like saying, we, this is what I got. I haven't touched it in a week. I've just played with the box. And God has given us gifts, and we like playing with the box instead of the gifts that he's given. But what's fun to watch kids is when you get something, you know that you've purchased it. You know that you're the one that's given it. I should say you know that your wife has purchased it, and you're paying for it, and you're giving it. And they pull it out. And notice what happens. They can't figure out how it works. So they pull it out and they start messing with it. And then what ends up happening is somebody in the house says, we'll give it to mom or dad. The one that already bought it and gave it to you, but now they're the one that's going to get it started and running. Am I right? And then once it gets started and running, what does the kid do? I did it. They didn't do anything. Mom or dad got it running. And it's the same thing with God. He gives us his love that should be enough to activate our faith, but we don't understand how our faith operates. So the giver of himself steps into our reality and he begins to mobilize or activate the gift that he's already given to us so that we, by means of what he has done, can begin to access it through prayer and sacrifice and blessing. And then we turn around and say, look what I did. And you want to know what? God does exactly what the parent does. You did it. That's agape. Can I tell you that God has been in this house today. Agape has been stirring some things in some people. It's not what you have done or have not done. It really has nothing to do with you. It has to do with what God is trying to plant in you. And if you will let his agape be planted in you, you may not understand how to use it or operate it, but just stay close to the giver of the gift, and he'll start working it in you, and pretty soon you're going to start seeing the effects by faith of working by the love that God has given. So what does that have to do with our church? 
It means this. When the Holy Ghost falls on a church, it falls because of agape. When the anointing falls on a church, it falls because of agape. And the church that learns and understands that the agape activates our faith is the church that turns around and expresses his agape to others. Here's the reason why I can overlook certain things that are done to me by people that I love because I have the agape of God moving in me. And I've done so much against God and he still loves me. We don't always agree because we dwell oftentimes mostly in filial love. That friend. Yeah, it's cool until you forget the appointment we set. By the way, none of you have forgotten an appointment. It's cool until I don't answer the text in time. It's cool until I don't respond in a certain way. It's cool when I disagree, until I disagree with you. That's filial love. But agape love says it does not matter one iota what you do. I have chosen to love you. And if I have chosen to love you, it will spring up a faith in you that will move mountains. I want to close with this if I can find the right passage. There is a passage of Scripture. I can't find it right now. I wanted to say it was Matthew 12, 29, but it's not. But there is a passage in Scripture where the disciples have tried to cast out devils. And they've come back to Jesus and said, why could we not cast them out? And there has been a misinterpretation of that Scripture. And the misinterpretation of that Scripture is that this kind cometh forth not but by prayer and fasting. But that was not Jesus' answer to why the devils wouldn't come out. If you read the passage, Jesus' response to that is simply this. They didn't come out because of your unbelief, period. And then the Lord says, for by this doesn't come out except for by prayer and fasting. And then he goes on. Can I tell you what the this is? What the this is is when Jesus speaks, things happen. I wish I had I wish I had the, the scripture here that I could reference it. But but it, it's it is let me see if my concordance is correct. Yes, 17 verse 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus simply said to him, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder, uh, and it shall move, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Let me just tell you that the, this, go, this kind that goeth not out in verse 21 is not referring to the casting out of devils. The casting out of devils comes because you have belief or faith that he's going to do it. What this kind going forth is, is when you speak and say to the mountain, Remove hence. You see the miracle signs and wonders of God move through you through prayer and fasting. What is prayer and fasting? It is intimacy with the one who loves you. And when you have an intimate relationship with agape, agape begins to stir your faith and your faith begins to speak to mountains and mountains are removed. Now, it applies to casting out devils too, I suppose, because 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't try if I didn't have Jesus. It's just another message. But why is this foundation on the... Why did I preach this today instead of three weeks down the road? Why did I preach it after the Word of God? I didn't preach it just because I knew Trish was preaching all of the stuff at the beginning of the day. That was just God lining us up, putting us in tune. We've got to cover one another. We've got to pray for one another. We've got to be, if you missed it, you have to watch it some other time. Just start coming to Sunday school. The reason why I preach this in slot number two is because this concept is more important than baptism. It's more important than the Holy Ghost. It's more important than holiness. It's more important than methods and terminology. It's more important than prayer. That we understand that God is agape. God is love. We don't preach, we preach a lot of times of what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to operate. We can't do any of that until we recognize and assume the understanding that God loves me and he loves the church. And if he loves me with all of my shortcomings, with all of my misunderstandings, with all of my wrong actions and wrong thoughts and wrong deeds, and he still has it in him to love me, how dare I not have it for somebody that gets under my skin, that doesn't do everything just the right way, that I don't necessarily agree, how dare I not show love to him? The Lord does not judge outward appearances. He judges the inward place of the heart. Why does he judge there and not somewhere else? Because the heart is the seat of your mind, will, and your emotions. It's the same interchangeable term as soul. It's where your thought process is. It's where your will is. It's where your emotions is. You and I are master deceivers. And our hearts are wicked above all things. No man can know the heart. You don't even know what's in your heart. I don't know what's in my heart. But it's nasty. There's some gross things in there. And we see them come to the top every once in a while. And it's like whack-a-mole. Just as soon as you hit that one, it comes up over here. And as soon as you get that one, it comes up over here. And God forbid they come up at the same time. So what does God judge? He judges the heart. Why does he judge the heart? Because that's where he knows he can move the best. Just let me get down in there. That's all wicked. That's all filth. And let me cleanse. Agape. I invite you to stand. The, the feeling or the atmosphere of this church... Let me just show by a raising of hands. Especially for all of you that have been around for a while, you just kind of noticed this too. But how many, when you first walked into this church, one of the things that Im not impressed you, but that you felt at home because you felt love? Okay? Can I just give you a secret? That's not because of us. But somewhere in the history of this church, and I don't know where it exactly happened. There wasn't probably a pinpoint. It was probably a conglomeration of all different kinds of people and events. But somewhere in this church was planted a seed that said this is going to be a church of agape love. 
that we're not going to look at people cross-eyed because they don't look just like us. We're not going to plug our nose because they don't smell just like us. We're going to accept the mess. And, and I know there's boundaries to everything that God has, and, and we don't just let everything go, and we don't just let everything happen, and it's, there, there's some order to it. God preaches order in the word for the church of God. But the bottom line is, is if you can't make it here, you'll have to find somewhere else. But if you just need a little bit of love, this is a church for you because the foundation of this church is built on the love of God. Not just brotherly love. Can I just tell you? I, I'm sorry. The, the Lord is just, can I tell you what filial love will do to a church? Or, 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 or storge love will do? Here's what a storge love will do to a church. The whole church is family. Blood family. And if you've ever been in a church that oh, there's a huge family that runs everything, does everything, says everything, handles everything, you're going to be going to a church where unless you fit into that family, you will not fit in. I've been there, done that too many times. I've seen it all around the world. Can I tell you what happens when you have filial love? You'll grow a great big crowd and the church will be that deep. You'll have all kinds of people because they like to have that camaraderie. They like to shake hands. They like to get to know. They like to, but you'll have one of two things happen. Number one, the church will be absolutely shallow or the church will become a bunch of cliques. Because my friendship with somebody is ba filially is based upon mutual uh, enjoyment, if you will. Okay, so my, my friendship with Travis may be because he wears purple. And he wears red and gold, my two favorite teams. He's allowed to sit in the front. But I don't like Starbucks. So here's what would happen if all we had in this church was filial love. He'd find somebody that likes Starbucks, and we would never really be friends. Because it's just shallow. But if we get agape, if we get agape, it says, I may not have that many things in common with you, but I enjoy spending time with you because you're his. And when you and I get together in the agape love, the agape starts spinning and it starts turning. And all of a sudden, I may go have coffee at Starbucks because I'm with him and I know something's getting ready to happen. And some of our guys are doing this and they'll start talking to somebody in Starbucks and spreading the gospel of Jesus. Maybe not because they have filial love with one another, but it goes deeper than that because there's an agape love in the house of God and the family of God. And then when you have a church, the size of the church is not based on the number of people, but the depth of the Spirit. I have no desire to have a huge conglomerate church with thousands of people that don't know who Jesus is, but they like to gather together in a social setting. They like to feel the good goosebumps of being in one another's presence. Hey, listen, if that's what you want, head to U.S. Bank Field this afternoon and you can have all you want. But if you want to step into an atmosphere where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Creator of the universe has come to reside and dwell and stir up our faith because of his agape love, then you have found the right place. Ha! You know that you're in a church with agape love when the main thing is always the main thing. When Jesus is at the center of it all. Yes, I love to have our fellowships. Yes, I love to eat all of our food that we present all different times. But there is nothing like what happened here today when the presence of God interrupted the flow and stepped in with his agape love and said, I have called you and chosen you and am blessing you. Listen, this is our foundation. What's going to bring our, bring our growth 
that God wants to put into this church is when we release agape through us. Because people don't understand what agape is. It doesn't register to them. You take somebody off the street, you take somebody that's out of the CEO's office, they don't understand agape love. They only understand manipulative filial love. They only understand, listen, our society only understands eros love. It's the reason why Hollywood is such a big thing. It's the reason why all of the things of the debauchery of the Internet are out there. It's because they have embraced eros and neglected agape. But when a church steps into a community and embraces agape and puts the other three loves in their right place, all of a sudden the anointing of God flows through them. And the thing that people are looking for is the realness of the love of God. That's why you've heard me say over and over, I don't care what you've done or where you've been or who you were. He loves you. And if he loves you, we're going to love you. And if he loves me, you got to love me too. That's agape. I end with this. I'm going to close my eyes so nobody knows who I'm talking to. The only way that you get to an agape level of love with God that becomes the core of who you are is when you embrace and sell out to the vision of the body of Christ. It's the reason why Trish said in the first session, you just need to get here. It's the reason why I've kind of jokingly, but seriously, 9.30 is a huge opportunity for you to get the agape of love. it's, It's the reason why we sent out the calendars to you a couple of weeks ago so that you can look at it and, and things will change, things, things will happen, but you can look ahead and start planning. I, I've got a day of vacation to blow and I can just take it off and sit around the house or I can take it off when the church is doing something and be a part. I can schedule this and be here. And and like Tripp said earlier, I know that there's things that come up and we've all got things. But when you put the focus on God, and somebody has accused, I don't know if they've accused me, but they've accused the church. Well, the church isn't God. No, but the church is the body of Christ. And if the body of Christ is the representative of the Lord in the earth, and I believe it is, then why wouldn't I want to be where the body of Christ is? Hey, I'm not so naive to say that we're the best church in the world and that everybody fits in our church. I don't know why anybody wouldn't think that. But I get it. And we've told our guests, if you're a guest here today, if we're not your cup of tea, just don't neglect the church. Find one that is. Because agape is for you. I'm going to ask Dwayne to come. He's going to dismiss in prayer in just a minute, but we talked about this yesterday. And I'm going to ask him just to leave a word of testimony before he's done or before he prays, and then we're going to pray. I'll let him dismiss us in prayer. Oh, yeah. How, how much time do I have? Uh, <laughs> ah, this is different. I'm not used to being up here. Uh, <clears throat> but as you know, Excuse me. Uh, my sweet wife, Carol, uh, broke her foot, broke her leg four weeks ago yesterday. And the next day she had surgery and she had a titanium rod put in and eight screws. And uh, she's rec- she has such good spirits and such a high tolerance of pain. Like I told her, a lot of my uh, friends would have been wimping and crying and 
and moaning, but uh, all she said when she hit the ice was, I need, to, I need to be taken in. And she knew she broke her foot, uh, broke her leg. one thing I want to say is that I've never, I've never felt so much love coming from a family called the Spirit of Grace Church. And the prayers, the offer to help, the help people coming over, the food coming over, I gained five pounds. Uh, uh, it's just, it's just a pouring out abundance of love. It's so, it's so humbling to feel that love. And I've been in a lot of churches, well, eight to be exact, that uh, but I've never felt this love before. And, and perfect timing with this sermon because this, this agape love that I feel is from so many different people, not just a couple of you, but so many people. And I want to, I uh, for Carol and for, for, and for me, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Uh, shall we close in prayer? Prayer. Father, we just we just thank you for the abundance of love that you have have given to so many people in this church for the, for putting the, the mark on this church as to being a church of agape love. We just thank you, Father. We just we just pray and thank you that we can leave this church today and walk out into the workplace tomorrow and just pour out the agape love that we have to that person we can't stand, that neighbor we can't stand, but to everybody that comes in contact with us, just let us pour out that love that you're, you're giving us and let us reflect your love in all that we do, think, and say. In Jesus' name, amen.